Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. And oh boy, is it going to be mad here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network because we have had a weekend of racing that purely epitomizes the word madness and that makes this show just that much more fun. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into the program. I'm Jacob Seelman alongside Chris Murdoch and Tom Baker in the Race Chaser Studios in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina, as we get set to rock and roll for two hours of programming and I will just jump right into the deep end because what we saw over the weekend was new, it was different, it was a million dollar payday at the end of the Monster Energy NASCAR All-Star Race. However, Tom, though the racing was different, the ultimate outcome exactly the same. Kevin Harvick wins a million bucks and he's now six for 13 to start the 2018 season. Big whoop. (laughs) <laughs> well it's a big whoop to kevin and Stuart haas racing okay yeah you're uh, right. i don't still. know that uh we would want to minimize it actually a million dollars would be a big whoop to just about anybody yeah really uh you know right up to uh warren buffett he probably wouldn't care but that's a penny in his yeah, uh, bank a, account. yeah exactly um but you know what it's this was a weekend i think where we went in hoping that it was going to be good. We had no idea if it was going to be good. And I think by all measure, that package that they tried, everybody said, oh, no, restrictor plates at Charlotte. Well, guess what? Okay, they were going 20 miles an hour slower. But there was more passing in the first three laps of the All-Star race than I think there probably was in the coke 600 all last year in the top five and it was just a home run for nascar as far as i'm concerned chris i think they really did a nice job of preparing for this and the numbers that they came up with in terms of engineering wise and wheel force and all those sorts of things the data that they came in with thinking they were going to hit they pretty much nailed it and Great racing for everybody, and the fans overwhelmingly want more, which is actually, that may be one of the first times NASCAR's done anything in a long time where most of social media was on board with them afterward. We'll have to see where it goes. There's still a lot of statistical things they have to look at. Easy for you to say. Uh, After this race, because Steve O'Donnell came into the media center and was talking to us. Uh, They were all happy about it. They said in the, the suite next to him they could hear people cheering and they saw the fans barely sat down all night yeah. uh so that's always a positive but there's still a lot of technical data they got to look at and, and of course and see where everything goes from there they can't just roll this out just because everybody's all gung-ho about it now uh i think right now it's 2019 is when they can do this yeah. jacob if i'm right yep correct so uh they still got a lot of work to do which will give them time to refine it take all the week points out of it, look at all the data, get it perfect in case they do want to roll this out in 2019. Well, here are a couple of just quick things that Steve brought up that you have to consider, NASCAR has to consider. Number one, one of the things that appeared to be a slight negative with the package is drivers were saying, okay, we get to the leader and then we kind of stall out a little bit. So they're going to look at that to see is there a way that we could tweak something 
to help that a little bit. But then there's another side to this, and that is the motors. Jacob, these motors are built were built specifically, this package specifically for the All-Star Race. Now, if you're going to introduce it on a more wider scale, then you have to look at, okay, we're going to incur costs with these motors unless, as Steve said, maybe possibly we could do something to be able to create a motor package that works on the super speedways and on these mile and a halfs in a way that ultimately doesn't add any more cost or much more cost to the team's bottom line. So there's a lot of things that the fans don't necessarily see or consider that have to be sort of worked out here yes. in order for this to be something that happens more often. And then I look at it and I say, well, on one hand, I would love to see this for the Coca-Cola 600 after what I saw, you know, on the Saturday night at the All-Star race. But then again, maybe it would be different in a 600-mile race. So, you know, I don't know that I'd want these cars running in a giant pack for 600 miles the way that they were. So it's kind of one of those situations where I feel like it's the right direction. Overwhelmingly, it was a positive. It was a success. At least at Charlotte, it worked pretty well. I don't care about the slower speeds. It doesn't matter if they're running 150 or 200 to me. I want to see them racing back and forth and putting on a good show. And overwhelmingly, I think everyone, including most of the drivers, agreed that there's room here for further discussion, and that's a big plus. Yes, I would totally stand by that. I think it is a big plus. I think Joey Logano may have summed it up best when he said after the race that there is still a lot of work to do, and he's not sure if he's the biggest fan of it yet, but it was certainly entertaining for the fans, and you know, it certainly opens up industry discussion for the future with the hope of obviously making it better. And I think that's what we're all looking for here. For me, there were a few things that uh, just really got me excited. I loved that you could actually pull out and pass people. Yep. You could work three lanes. We saw guys working top, middle, and bottom at one point in both the Open and the All-Star race in an effort to try and build momentum to grab the lead. You saw jockeying back and forth. The leader couldn't get away. Kyle Busch won the All-Star race in 2017 by a segment and a, or a second and a half. Ha, huh, a segment and a half. It really felt like a segment and a half, but this year you had nine drivers yeah. within a second and a half at the checkered flag, and I think that says a lot. Happy Harvick is the dominator again, and yet the breakout kid of All-Star Weekend, I would argue, Tom, was Daniel Suarez, who finishes a career-best second on the oval track, really took to the package like a fish takes to water, and this kid has come on so strong in the last month. He got a career-best points finish of third at Dover, second in the All-Star race. I just get the feeling Daniel's time is coming and coming pretty rapidly. Well, it is. He's really maturing quickly. And there was a whole post-race press conference. To me, just a golden moment when you had Daniel and Joey Logano at the same time in the media center. And Daniel went into his usual, uh, you know, where he translates and does his answer to a question in Spanish. So that obviously, 
you know, those folks can, those who speak Spanish can, can get the benefit out of it too. And then Joey looks at him and goes, Chipotle. Avocado. <laughs> like, avocado. You know, avocado. And, and at one point he gave an answer and looks over at Joey and Joey goes, well, I got Camry out of that. You know, it's like, yeah. so, you know, there's, it, those are the kind of moments that you look for in a race like this. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be relaxed and, and you get, a performance like we saw out of Daniel Suarez or a performance like we saw out of AJ Allmendinger or, you know, the storybook thing on Saturday uh, or on uh, Friday night where everything conspired just right. You had the all Roush front row with Matt Kenseth and Ricky Stenhouse. And so those moments come from a weekend where we're not paying points. It's right. all about winning and everybody's just going into it. We changed the format up. We make them do pit stops, but then remove the speed limit. And, you know, it just makes for a nice change of pace. And I think you're right. Suarez was definitely a major story in this all-star race that probably won't get enough conversation because, well, everybody's still talking about Kevin Harvick dominating another event. Tom, We've talked about strong runs, and I asked Greg Zipidelli this in the post-race press conference on Saturday night. I don't know, at least in any sort of recent memory, that we've ever seen one team and one driver-car combination get on such a roll as the steam roll that Kevin Harvick and really the whole of SHR has been on to start this year. You've got now... Five points paying wins for Harvick. You've got a win for Clint Boyer. You've got an all-star win for Kevin Harvick. All four cars are running strong. They've just got it right now. Yeah. And Zippy said as much. He said, you know, I don't know that there's any team that has done what we've done. And he's like, I can't explain it either. Well, you know, you think back over history and drivers like Richard Petty, who has had seasons where he's won big numbers of races you've had maybe Cal Yarborough with Junior Johnson or Daryl Waltrip with Junior or whatever you know where they've won bunches of races but to start a season with the number of wins I mean he's had what five out of 12 regular season now we throw the all-star race in and you've just got a team right now in an era where there's supposed to be equality you've got a team right now that is just totally in a zone and they can do no wrong. Here's what we know, though, about the way life works. The golden horseshoe comes and the golden horseshoe goes. And if you don't believe me, look at the 48 right now. Well, keep in mind, though, while the golden horseshoe goes, sometimes it doesn't go until the end of the year, the start of the next year. Keep in mind, back when the last time we really had a run like this was 2007 when Jimmy Johnson hit double-digit wins in a single season. He didn't lose that golden horseshoe really until the start to the mid portion of 2008 before he got on the roll that took him to the 2008 title and then two more after that. Well, that's a fair point. But if you look at this season, you know, here was California and Kevin Harvick had a chance to win four in a row and he crashed himself early in the race trying to side draft Kyle Larson, took himself out. You wonder if he's learned from that. Well, see, but that's my point is there's really so little. You walk such a fine line now because there are so many cars that are so good. The fact that you've had enough luck and you've done enough right and to be able to do what he did at 
the all-star race to come on that last segment. He didn't just barely win it. He took off and basically left. Now, granted, a couple more laps and might have caught him, but he was in control that entire last segment as if to say, well, okay, yeah, different package. It was fun and all, but all right, we're still the best team out here. And that's just an amazing thing. Kevin Harvick is definitely in his own right now. And boy, it could go on for a while. <laughs> it very well could go on for a while. Harvick even said he's never been on a stretch like the stretch he's on right now in the entirety of his racing career. And certainly at the Cup Series level, this is an unrivaled period for him right now. Uh, who said the young guys are ruling the sport? Uh, Kevin Harvick <laughs> is certainly proving that the veterans still sure. have the cards, at least for right now. Yep. And we're going to take our first break of the evening when we return. We're going to talk trucks for a segment because they had a little bit of fun to open all-Star Weekend, and you'll hear about that on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. I'm looking at Tom, and Tom's looking at me, and, well, we're not deciding who's taking the train because Jacob's brain is just tired after an all-star weekend that was wild and crazy, and kind we had like a Kevin lot of Harvard. fun. Yes, it started on Friday night, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in action for the North Carolina Education Lottery 200, and, well, it was not Kyle Busch's house, Tom. Amazingly, Kyle did not go 8 for 16. Instead, the other wily veteran at the front of the field who's been hot as of late, Johnny Sauter, gets his third win in the first seven races of the season, and what a job he did. I mean, he dominated, led more than half of that race, and down the stretch, nobody could really do anything with him. I mean, you talk about riding a wave of momentum, and this is another case, I feel like, where the right team, the right driver, the right circumstances, Johnny Sauter, like Kevin Harvick, continues to get better with age, so to speak. Well, yes, and he certainly, well, I would think he would Thank you for that, actually, <laughs> getting better with age. So you're calling me old. Um, look, Johnny is always a force in the truck series. He's won championships. He's won races, but he's never won at Charlotte. This was his first win at Charlotte, his 20th uh, truck series win of his career. But I sometimes the result doesn't always tell the story of the race. Kyle Busch had not one but two circumstances that forced him to come to the back. Two mistakes on pit road that put him to the back twice. He still came back for second. I would argue that had Kyle Busch not had to keep rebounding from the back, I'm not going to say he would have beaten Johnny Sauter because we'll never know if that's true. But I certainly... But I certainly would say that he would definitely, if for no other reason than because he's Kyle Busch and he's won about half the truck races at Charlotte, he definitely would have given him a run for his money. Yes, he would have. And we are going to jump into our phone lines right now. Uh, we are going to actually talk to the race winner from Friday's race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, joined now by Johnny Sauter. Johnny, uh, we had you on after the win at Daytona. Thanks again for taking some time to talk with us. And before we dig into the win, I want to ask you, because you mentioned to us after the press conference that you were heading home to Wisconsin, and I believe I heard you say the words Angel Park. So talk a little bit about that, because that is quite the turnaround from Charlotte Motor Speedway. <laughs> well, I, I live um, not too far from Angel Park, which is in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. It's a dirt track. And um, believe it or not, they canceled the race for tonight because it was raining pretty much all day today. So uh, we don't have to worry about that, but it's a pretty cool place, obviously, and it's it's not far from where I live. So uh, me and my son like to go out there and, and catch a race when we can. So um, needless to say, it's raining, so that's uh, we don't have to worry about that. I'm actually sitting at his baseball practice this afternoon watching him, um, you know, pitch and throw the ball and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Take us back now to the race win from Friday night. Uh, 
everybody went in and thinking, oh, Kyle Busch is in the race. He's won seven of 15. And I think there were a lot of people thought that this was predestined. And yet here you are, you come out, win your third time in seven races this year. And it just seems like no matter where you and GMS Racing go right now, you guys are clicking and this train just keeps running on. You guys have found some speed this year. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously, um, that comes from a lot of hard work at everybody at GMS. So I, I know, you know, a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, that sounds cliche, but, um, you know, it is. It's, it's a it's a huge prog- process, and I think a lot of times people would be amazed um, just to see the inner workings and the day-to-day operation of a, of a team, you know, like a GMS in the truck series, you know, we, we're well over a hundred employees now. So, um, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of different stuff, trying to, you know, build speed. And, and obviously Mike Beam is, is doing a good job and, and, and Tom Ackerman and a lot of the guys on the competition side that are just, you know, trying to find everything we can every week. So, um, you couple that with, with Joe and all my guys, the, the road crew guys and, and, um, you know, every, everything's just clicking right now. So, um, you know, and we continue to work on stuff, working on, you know, building some new stuff to go to the short tracks and, and whatnot. So, um, but you just, you never let your guard down. And, uh, just when things are going your way, that's the time people can sneak up on you. And I think, you know, a lot of us have seen this before and, and we know things are going great now, but you, you know, we can't, we can't give up and, and we got to continue to keep working on speed and, and setups and things like that. So, um, Friday night was a blast. Uh, our ISM connect Chevy had great speed. Um, especially at the end of the race when it counted. So um, to get that first Charlotte win was was really, really special. But, uh, you know, we got to keep digging. There's a long way to go. I'm curious because we've talked about how many of the right people, as you mentioned Friday night, have come to GMS Racing and really helped to make this team shine and push forward. Uh, can you speak, though, to the relationship that you have with your crew chief, Joe Shear Jr., and just the, the chemistry that you guys have shown over the time you've worked together to really make this uh, special in a lot of ways? Because I don't think there's many driver-crew chief pairings in the truck series that have really just gotten on the same page the way you guys have. Well, I mean, uh, obviously we're both Wisconsin guys, and, and uh, he, he lives down there and, and has for the last 20-some years, but... Um, you know, I can remember being a young, young man, um, going to the racetrack with my dad and, and, uh, you know, Joe's dad raced against my dad. So, um, you know, and they were both really, really good, you know, upper echelon guys in, in this part of the country doing short track things. So, um, I can remember seeing Joe in the pits and, 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 you know, talk to him, whatever. So we, you know, to say that we kind of grew up together is, is true. And, um, you know, the first time that we actually raced together was ASA when it was the national touring series. And, um, you know, the first season we worked together, we won 10 out of 20 races and, and one rookie of the year in the championship. And, um, and we worked together on and off again throughout our NASCAR careers. And, um, it seems like everywhere we get hooked up, we, we have success. So, um, you know, Joe is, uh, he can take a lot of heat, <laughs> um, for me and, and, uh, you know, and, and I can take it from him. So, um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I just, you know, I feel like a lot of times we think, you know, along the same uh, wavelength as to how to achieve where we want to be and, and how do you get there. So, um, you know, he, he, he loves working on suspension and, and things like that. So um, those are things that I, you know, in my free time when I'm working on my super late model and stuff, that's, that's the stuff we work on. So um, it just works. And, 
you know, we don't really ever get mad at each other. Um, we might say things and, and whatever, but at the end of the day, we both want the same thing. So, um, we both get over it pretty quick, but, uh, yeah, it's been fun and it's, it's been great to, to obviously get to work with him now for two years at, at GMS and, um, you know, 10 wins and, and two years and seven races has been fantastic. So, um, but it's, like I said before, it's the whole, the whole organization. It's, you know, we, there's so many great people, um, you know, GMS fabrication, we build our own chassis and hang our own bodies and, um, it's just a huge production and, and it's not just one or two people. It's the whole, the whole package. And, and I honestly have to say my teammates this year are, are, you know, a lot of fun to be around and helping me push the envelope. And, um, you know, we've, we've got myself obviously, but there's, there's four other guys with Cody Coughlin and Stuart Friesen and JJ Haley and Dalton Sargent. I mean, those guys, it's, uh, it's fun. They're, they're showing speed every week. So, um, I'm going to keep us honest. Johnny, I talked to you just after driver intros on the front straightaway while we were walking back uh, to pit road, and you just seemed like you were in a good mood, one, I guess, because the rain had held off Friday just long enough for us to get that race in, and then uh, you've really just been in a, a good mood all season, and when you have three wins and leading the points, I guess there's really not a whole lot to be mad about. Just talk about your season leading up to this point uh, and, and how it feels to be on sort of a hot streak that you guys are on right now, always competing for a win. Well, and I think it goes back to last year. Um, you know, we finished the season pretty hot. Uh, you know, Homestead didn't obviously go the way we wanted to. Christopher Bell finished second, we finished third, but um, you know, we were able to snag a couple wins and, um, so having said that, you know, we carried the momentum over to this year and, and start out with Daytona, um, you know, with a dominant performance, I felt like, or a dominant truck at least and, um, win that race, go to Atlanta and last restart on a green white checker, we're in position to win the race and, um, you know, just, uh, didn't get the restart or, or whatever that we needed to, to get to victory lane. So that was a kind of a bummer, but it was still a great day, great finish. And, uh, and we went to, to Vegas and, and had great speed at the end of that race. I needed a few more laps, but I think we would have had a heck of a run or a showdown with, with Mr. Kyle <laughs> um, had we had a couple more laps. But a second-place finish. In Martinsville, we had an alternator failure, um, which I think there's some things we could have done differently to prevent that. So, um, you know, and Martinsville is one of our best tracks. So it was kind of a bummer there. But, uh, you know, Dover win. And uh, Kansas, we struggled, but I, you know, I've said this before. That's them are the kind of days where you're struggling, um, and, and you still squeak a top five out of that. That's that to me is a measure of, of where you're at. Um, a lot of times when you're having success, it's easy to, you know, things are good. You know, winning fixes a lot of problems. But uh, when you're having a bad day, and you can work on it and and, and still salvage a top five, that that to me was an indicator of kind of where we are as a team. So um, and then obviously Charlotte the win. So doing well but uh, you know I'm, i've been racing long enough to know that you know you can't never let your guard down and, and you got to keep you know your nose to the grindstone so to speak so um that's what we're going to do and uh we've got a lot of great 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 racetracks coming up for us and um but we're having a blast right now there's no doubt about it well you look like you're having a blast and i think uh that run at charlotte certainly showed that you're having a blast I'm curious from your perspective as a veteran who's kind of been in all three series a little bit, but has certainly spent uh, the majority of his time in the trucks the last few years. Um, what do you see? What What do you think the new engine package is doing for the series? It feels to me like there are more teams now that are at least able to get out and compete. 
Um, do you feel like it's been a good thing? What are your thoughts on the addition of the Omar engine package to the series? Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I got to do a couple of the tests last summer with the engine. And, um, you know, from what I saw over what we were running, because we did some back-to-back stuff, um, I'm going to give them an A-plus, and that's not the political answer. <laughs> um, I just really feel like Ilmore has done a heck of a job. Uh, and, uh, you know, just from, from the people that they've got working there and, and, and how they're going about it, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's really cool to be able to plug that thing into a computer and if you have a question as to where your shift points were, your throttle trace, all that kind of stuff, it's it's really cool to be able to have that data. So when engineers want to argue with the driver, <laughs> you can prove it to them. But, uh, you know, it's it's just really cool, and I think they've done a great job. And at the end of the day, it's going to save the team owners money. And I don't mean just pocket change. I mean, I think year two, they're going to save a lot of money. And, uh, you know, that at the end of the day is what the series needs in my humble opinion, to stay, you know, a viable place to, to bring in young guys and have a place for some old guys like me to hang out. Um, you know, saving money is, is important, and uh, I think this was one huge step in the right direction for the series. And um, right now, I think all systems are a go. I mean, the, the engines are running great, and, uh, you know, we'll see how they perform throughout the summer months. But I kudos to everybody involved on this because at the end of the day, um, it's, it's all about saving money and, and keeping the owners, you know, happy and, and, uh, you know, have maybe new owners come to the series and say, okay, now this is in the ball game of where we need to be price wise. And, um, to me, that's, that's what makes the difference. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. 
As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Cody Coughlin, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. Uh, We are live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and Chris Murdoch talking right now with GMS Racing driver and former NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion Johnny Sauter. Johnny, uh, going forward here, obviously we're getting into uh, the start of the stretch run for the summer portion of the truck series schedule and you guys are coming up on some great midwestern tracks that are very very good for you as well where you guys often have a lot of support Uh, how do you start to approach uh, this next run going to places gateway iowa some of these places where you've been traditionally extremely strong well i mean uh (laughs) the way things have gone obviously i think it uh puts a little extra you know pep in our step but i think it also adds a little bit of element of uh, expectations um from from everybody which is cool i mean that's that's great um and like i said before um we're building a new short track truck right now i'm pretty pumped up about that and uh i think we're going to debut that at iowa so um or gateway i can't remember which one comes first but um you know we go to texas next and uh we won that race last fall and and uh be going for you know my fifth win at texas so that's that's pretty awesome um, love going to that part of the country and, and, uh, then we get to come, like you said, back to the Midwest where I live and, um, you know, real close to Iowa Speedway and, and, uh, St. Louis isn't far. I can drive to both of those places. So, um, and Chicago is not too far down the road where we, we actually kind of started getting hot last year with the wind. So yeah, uh, it's great. And, um, you know, those are races that are really, really important because, uh, you know, I circle that race at Eldora every year and say, I don't have any expectation going to that place. I, I struggle on dirt. I don't have any dirt experience. <laughs> so um, it's important for us to uh, to, to really have an, a good couple of races coming up here over the next month or two and, and uh, you know, just try to go in there and have some fun. Okay, I want to kind of take a, a bit of a left turn with you here just for a moment. Ben Kennedy is now kind of the... Uh, head of over the the truck series and I'm curious again as a veteran you watch Ben he's been through it as a driver and now he's the director when you look at that situation do you feel like Ben is a how, how do you relate to him and from your perspective what have you heard him talk about or seen him doing that you feel like is good for the future of the series? Well, I'll tell you, I, I can probably answer that question really well because uh, Ben was a teammate of mine at GMS yep. um, two years ago. So um, I got to know, you know, obviously I raced against Ben. And I, let me just start by saying I think one of the most important things that Ben brings to the table is he's driven. He's raced. He's raced on a lot of these racetracks. I think he understands the feel that sometimes drivers maybe like or dislike. So to me, that's ultra important um, when you have somebody in that position that uh, can make some decisions as, as far as how the racing goes. So um, I Ben was a great teammate. 
obviously, you know, you won a race with GMS at Bristol, so that was that was really cool. But um, I think the one thing that I see Ben, you know, doing, and, and I've had a couple conversations with him at the racetrack since he's been there, is, you know, he spends a lot of time walking through the garage and, uh, you know, just looking and paying attention. And I'm sure, like anything else, you know, he's, you know, he's paying attention as to, to how things are going, not just, you know, at, you know, at our end of the garage, but throughout the garage. So, um, but, you know, to me, the biggest thing is, 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 uh, he has that experience. He understands, you know, the inner workings of NASCAR, which I have no idea how all they, they orchestrate all that every week. It blows me away because I think it's a lot bigger production than, than people would ever imagine. Sure. And, uh, but for me, from the competitor standpoint, um, you know, he, he knows what it's like and, you know, he knows how bad an arrow push is and, and he knows just what grip feels like and, and a lot of what are these racetracks demand, um, you know, to, to, to go fast. So, um, so far, I think he's doing a great job, and, and I think at this point he's taken a lot of it in, and, and I think his feedback down the road is, is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's been kind of neat just to watch because all of us here have seen him going back and forth in the garage, and you can't help but notice that, and it feels like obviously this is somewhat of a younger man's sport these days, right? I mean, um, and we're trying to attract a younger audience and somebody like Ben would seem like that perfect, almost crossover to not only relate to what a younger audience would want to see, but also be able to relate from the driver's standpoint and get feedback from the veterans like yourself who can kind of give him that perspective with which to, to start to make decisions about the future. No. And I I think you hit the nail on the head. And in fact, I probably had, you know, 15 minute conversation with Ben this weekend in the garage and, and age actually came up <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I said, man, I'm, I'm 40 years old. And he's like, well, you know, and then we started talking about younger racers and, and things like that and, and how they're doing a lot of things on simulation nowadays and, and, and video games and, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, it, it's crazy to think that Ben's, I think 14, 15 years younger than I am. I think he, I, I think he said he was 25 or 26. So, yeah. um, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, he can relate to, to, to younger guys. And, um, you know, and, and the biggest part of that, him being able to relate to those young guys trying to break into the sport is, you know, he's driven and, and he was that guy a few years ago. So um, I definitely think that gives him an advantage as to, fight, you know, how do you uh, facilitate and, and help these guys and get them where they want to be. So um, I think it's great. I, you know, I know I, I guarantee you <laughs> – that if he had the opportunity, you know, the right opportunity to race, he, he would continue to do that because sure. I, I think, you know, he's a racer. But I also think he's looking at it, you know, big picture too, and, and I think this is this is good. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think he's he's perfect. He's, you know, the age is on his side. The the years of racing is is definitely on his side. He's, you know, he owns cars, you know, late model cars and stuff to race down at New Smyrna and all that. So I, I think he's pretty well-rounded if you if you want to know the truth we spoke after the race friday night about your placement with gms the people around you and how the team has really come into its own and 
I think even you had said made you a better driver. From your perspective, where do you see GMS racing going into the future as not just the truck program grows, but the Xfinity program continues to grow too? How do you see this team uh, kind of fitting into the landscape over the next couple of years or growing in that landscape? Well, I tell you, uh, you know, Mr. Gallagher <laughs> and the Gallagher family, they are uh, great people. And um, I can tell you this much, uh, Maury is a very competitive person. And I can just tell in, in his mannerisms and the things that he says and, and, and how he carries himself at the racetrack. So um, as for, for racing goes, I mean, obviously, I think they've got a pretty good foothold on the, on the truck series and, and where we're at right there. Um and I continue to only see that get stronger. Obviously, the Xfinity team picking up its first win a few weeks back and uh, really running strong. Um, I was lucky enough to get to drive that car at Dover, and, and I hadn't been in an Xfinity car in four years and, and finished sixth. So um, that stuff's really performing, and, and I think uh, you know that stuff over these next couple of months is, is going to perform. It's just going to continue to get better. So, um, you know, last year was, was the beginning of the Xfinity program and, and they had some bumps in the road and, and just kept digging through it. So, um, I think a lot of this just depends on, on, you know, where they want to go. I, I think that they've got the, the basic backbone of a, of a good, you know, infrastructure and, and, and all that. And, um, just see where everything goes and, and where it leads them to. But, um, I think when you've got somebody like, you know, Mr. Gallagher and, and, the people we've got working at, at GMS, uh, the sky's the limit. Well, I know, as always, Johnny, it does take a lot of great people, great sponsors, great supporters, and uh, you know we always want to give you a chance to give any shout-outs that you need to give. Uh, who makes it happen for the 21 team after another big win in Charlotte? Uh, a lot of people, obviously. Allegiant Travel, Legion Airlines, um, Chevrolet. Chevrolet's been a big, big part of this, um, especially this year with uh, working with you know, uh, simulation and, and giving us some of the tools and, and CAS technologies and, and uh, you know, just helping us in engineering and, and all that. So, um, obviously, we've got great people like ISM Connect. Um, anybody that's been at the racetrack can, can see that stuff and, and how that's working at the racetrack. It's just really cool. And uh, Sunseeker Resorts down in uh, Charlotte, Florida. Um, that's, uh, something new that's been helping us out this year. So we just, we got a lot of people that help us and, um, you know, it's, it's great. And, uh, and we just, all my teammates obviously are, are helping. Um, you know, a lot of people think the young guys come to our team just because I can help them, but I promise you I'm, I'm getting just as much, uh, from those guys. So it's, it's cool to, to have all those teammates and, and to be able to work with them. Well, Johnny, I know, uh, it's always appreciated uh, for you to grab a few minutes out of your schedule to chat with us. We definitely thank you for your time once again and uh, certainly look forward to uh, seeing you at the racetrack back down the road a little later this year. Wish you the best of luck for some more success. Sounds good, you guys. I appreciate you having me as always. That is Johnny Sauter, and with that, we are going to step away to a commercial break when we return more Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road high school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively they need to be prepared for any highway emergency for less than a month's insurance and a whole lot less bsr instructors at summit point motorsports park in nearby summit point west virginia will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road bsr's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed ocular driving which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents vehicle dynamics and feedback skid control and skid recovery threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves and off-road recovery techniques this is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch as we continue on with this program. Uh, A lot of things to go through, chat about, talk about. We talked trucks with Johnny Sauter for the last couple of segments, and I want to circle kind of to an overview now before we dig into some of the open-wheel conversation a little later in the program. And let's go black flag, checkered flag here, guys. And we can start with the truck series on Friday night as the basis for our first round. Tom, uh, you got some black and checkered from the truck series? Well, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, I'm going to start with my checkered flag. Because my checkered flag is a tie. I'm awarding two because I can. First of all, Justin Haley made absolutely the save of the century in that race. I don't know how uh, he managed to reel the truck back in, but boy, that was 
that was a brilliant piece of driving. And I think all that stuff he's doing on the dirt with the modified paid off there. And then I'm also going to throw a checker to Todd Gilliland because Todd is a driver who obviously is uh, making his mark in the truck series, just had his birthday this past week, turned 18. And for him to go out and be consistent, just stay out of trouble, I'm going to give him a checkered, and I just realized I have a third one. Chris Eggleston, 13th in his first truck start for DGR Crossley. So there's three checkered flags from the truck race from me. And I'm just going to be real short and sweet. My black flag is Kyle Busch. Everybody who has ever listened to this show or knows me and knows how I think knows why I'm giving him a big black flag, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, you mean the press conference heard around the world? That yes, thing? and seen only by Fox and Three Wide Race Chaser. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Chris Murdoch, Johnny on the spot to get that video uh, that uh, we we circulated quite nicely. But you know what? It, it just you can't it, you can't lead people by calling them out the way that Kyle Busch does, because if the crew chief ever turned around and said after Kyle made a mistake, well, we would have won the race, but our driver sucked and help, didn't help us at all. My guess is that he would probably be fired before he left the racetrack. So, you know, that's you just can't do that. So entertaining. By, yes. Appropriate. No. By the way, it's still not the record for the shortest Kyle Busch temper tantrum at charlotte motor speedway that goes to i'm not surprised by anything congratulations yeah. mike drop yeah mike drop in the left yeah chris murdoch um like tom i'll go ahead and start with my checkered flag and it's going to go to the 41 truck of ben, ben Rhodes yep. because uh he's had a, a rough couple of weeks uh and, and you know last week uh, at kansas was no help to him being that close in the first segment and then just losing power and ultimately having to drop uh, several laps down. He got the top five on Friday. Sure so I, I was I was very happy to see him uh, get a great finish out of that is, you know, my black flag. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with, you know, Kyle Busch too because uh, you can't just go out there and said uh, – uh, say, oh, the only reason I got back up to where I did was pure talent. My team did absolutely nothing to help me. You can't say, you can't put your, your team out on an island like that and just, because everybody has their bad days. Everybody has, you can't, and, and it's like I was talking in the media center uh, with a few other guys. He he gets in the truck and automatically thinks he should just win. Right. And you can't have that mindset going into those races or you're always just going to have a bad time because you're not going to win every single race. Well, the other thing is it wasn't even the comment about the crew. It, he didn't stop there. It was, you know, you can't pass and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, gosh, you know, some of these guys that ended up finishing the top five came from a long way back. So, Less far back than you think. Yeah, well, I mean, the the fact is that it, it was just all silly. And, and Kyle just loses his I can, mind when he does that. Give another checkered flag, just looking at everything right now. Okay. It would be going to Brandon yeah. Jones. Yeah. Oh, 28th good yes. to 3rd yep. Yep. in that 46 machine. Oh, so by great the way. Job for Brandon Jones. Who yeah. is he racing for? Kyle Busch yeah. Motorsports. And where did he start again, Chris? 28th. And where did he finish? 3rd. Yeah, no passing. Okay. Anyway, 
My checkered flag actually was going to go to Brandon Jones, but for a slightly different reason than just his 28th to third run that Chris pointed out. My checkered flag goes to Brandon Jones for the class that he showed in racing his boss in the final laps and knowing how hard to push the limit and when to go ahead and not push the limit to where you end up potentially wrecking both trucks. Brandon showed a ton of poise under a very fiery Kyle Busch in the final laps of that race. Came home with another great finish. He's getting closer to a victory on the Xfinity side. His move to Toyota has been so beneficial for him since he swapped over there from Richard Childress Racing during the offseason. That has just opened me up to the possibilities that Brandon Jones is capable of now and I think has really shown what he's made of and what he can accomplish in NASCAR competition. He has done very, very well for himself so far this year and I think he will get a win if not in the Xfinity Series at the very least in one of the truck races he's got left for KBM, but I think he could well end up winning in both series before the end of this year. Now, my black flag, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but my black flag is actually somewhat in agreement with Kyle Busch on the splitters that are being used right now in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Though, yes, Brandon Jones did go from 28th to 3rd, and there was some passing going on in that truck race once the leader really got out front. We saw in this truck race at Charlotte, unlike a few of the other truck races that we've had this season, you really had a tough time getting to the leader once the leader started to get away, and that wake was not as easy to manage as it was in some of the other situations this season. And so my black flag is actually going to the splitters. Number one, I've never been a believer in splitters. We just need to get rid of them. Hashtag Team Valence, Tom. But number two, I was not overly impressed with this truck race in Charlotte. Just from a general standpoint, I thought the last few had been quite much more entertaining than this. And the splitter change that they made, I just don't feel like suited the truck series really well for Charlotte personally. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you or Kyle about the splitters, but it's kind of Kyle came from the back twice. Brandon Jones came from the back and finished third. Kyle came from the back because he was pissed off. Well, but again, I mean, you know, this welcome to a mile and a half track. This is why the type of package that we saw in the all-star race, this is why everybody's raving about it because this is what happens. The leader gets out front and it's hard to catch him. Everything gets spread out and there's not a lot of racing. So, I mean, look, it wasn't the greatest truck race, but you know what? I mean, there was a lot of action going on just behind the leader, Chris. I mean, I'm and I'm sure, by the way, that Johnny Sauter would probably think this was the best race the trucks have ever run there. Just saying. I mean, Brandon Jones, Kyle Busch, they weren't the only drivers to make their way from the back to the front. I mean, you have people who we didn't really talk about a whole lot on Friday or anything. Parker Kligerman in the 75, exactly. 27th to 7th. Yes. A great run for that. Yes. Oh, by the way, he hit the wall at one point, too. <laughs> so you can't you can't say that their passing is completely eliminated because it's not. It's proven that there's people coming from the back to the front. You can start somewhere in, in the back of the mid pack and, and come up through the front. So yeah. there's a lot of action going on. Uh, it just doesn't have to be with the lead. People focus so much on maybe the top two or 
two drivers and they think, oh, if there's not a battle for the lead going on constantly throughout the race, it's a terrible race. And that's just not factual. You can look throughout the whole field and see there's battles going on throughout the entire field. All right, guys, we're going to shift gears now and go to Black Checkered for the Monster Energy NASCAR All-Star Race or the Open if you have a particular point that you want to make from there, Chris Murdoch. Uh, I'll let you jump on this. And like I said, it can be either the Open or the All-Star Race, whatever suits your fancy. I'm going with uh, kind of both for my checkered flag. Uh and it's going to go to A.J. Allmendinger because uh, he came out in segment three. He'd been around the top ten for most of the Open, came out in segment three of the Open and, and won the segment, was able to race his way in, and then had a really, really strong run in the All-Star race before he uh, hit the wall and, and kind of ended his night. But, I mean, it was a really strong run for him. Um, a, a black flag that I have... Uh, man, I don't. It's it's tough. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know if I really have one because I thought it was a really good race, and obviously, like, uh, you know, I was on pit road in turn four, so I only got to see certain points of it. But every time I they came across the the line or or whatever, there was a different battle going on throughout the field. So I thought it was a, a really good race. Tom. Okay, so checkered flag for all-star open, all-star race, and I'm also going to combine the two and agree with what Chris said. I thought A.J. Allmendinger did a particularly good job until the point where he didn't. <laughs> there was, there's, it was like, oh, A.J.'s, go oh, gosh, what happened? You know, he, he just. hit the wall. That's yeah, what happened. He, he, he crossed the line. You know, and A.J.'s another driver that you just look at and you go, man, if he could just figure out how to dial it down just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he said, I'm, I was going for it, but it's like, well, okay, but you can't go for it to the point where you hit the wall, son. Um but checkered flag for his drive on Saturday. He was definitely a lot of fun to watch. And just because I can, I've got to tie that with the aforementioned Daniel Suarez, who just, I think, surprised a lot of people uh, in those two races. I and, think he surprised a lot of people this season. Yeah, with the run he's yeah, on. really. Yeah, for sure. But especially this weekend, I think he would be one that you kind of look at. You'd think, well, the veterans will find the way to adjust faster than somebody going into their you know, second season in the cup car, and he really stepped it up, I felt like. Um, as far as a black flag goes, I mean, I, I can only think of a mildly funny one, and it's Kyle Larson for that, that pit stop that he made when – you know, he basically went halfway to the Concord Mills Mall before he before he stopped. Um, yeah. it, was, it was so <laughs> I, I think because uh, I was sitting on pit road with uh, some of the other photographers just as he was coming in. And we were all joking because he came through flying through the pit box and oh, stopped yeah. right in front of us. And we were like, oh, he just barely missed it. Just a tad. He yeah. was just a tad over the line. Yeah, by about five pit boxes. Yeah. So. Um, Gosh, so that's, I mean, other than that, I don't know where to go with a black flag because really I thought those two races, for the most part, there was nobody that really did anything super dumb. I mean, you know, and, and they went off like clockwork pretty much. You had a big yeah. wreck in the all-star race when they got four wide there for a minute, but 
it's a little hard to blame somebody for that because that was the kind of racing that we created. And, you know, they didn't, nobody went four wide thinking they were a hero. They just kind of ended up that way. And Stenhouse, I think it was, got Clipped into. the apron and got um, Truex. Yeah, got into Truex. And it was just, again, it just ran out of room. So I thought it was a great weekend and a, a certainly a revolutionary yes, weekend absolutely. for NASCAR. I'm pretty sure everybody thought it was a good weekend ex- for racing except for Kyle Busch. Yeah, <laughs> something like He'll that. He'll get over it. Anyway, my checkered flag goes to the package and to NASCAR's willingness to innovate. Bravo, everyone that was involved in making this a reality for the All-Star race. And God knows, I hope we see it back some more in the future. <clears throat> 2019. <clears throat> Just saying. Yeah. My black flag, you mentioned him. I'm going to go with it. As much as I love people racing their guts out, uh, my black flag is a tie. One to Ricky Stenhouse, just because he kind of put his car in a hole and halfway on the apron that I really didn't think existed. So I'm going to kind of black flag Ricky a little bit for being the impetus to the big crash. But my, my other black flag is Kyle Larson. Because, well, as he rightfully admitted after the race, he put Joey in the wall and then got wrecked for it. So, you know, Kyle, I love you for owning up to it, but, man. And there was really no reason for it, I don't think. They were just hard racing, and you got out of four and just put him in the wall, and Joey was like, I'm not having any of that. There well, you go. He, he, I think he just lost the car for a minute and that's kind of what you had that even with the Stenhouse deal I don't think Ricky dove in there thing it was almost a deal where he started to look and just as he was kind of starting to go I think actually the Truex might have moved down just enough that that contact was made I don't want to say Ricky made a bonehead move there it was just kind of one of those oh 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 crap and I think he tried to get out of it and there just was no you know, the timing was just wrong. It was uh, an interesting thing with Larson and Logano. I, again, you know, Chad Johnston saying, you know, some of those guys don't like it when you race them. Like, Chad, there's racing them and then there's, you know, putting them in the wall. Yeah. Chad thought there was enough room. Joey shouldn't have hit the wall. It's like, really? Yeah, <laughs> okay. pretty much. We're going to step aside. When we return, we're going to shift gears and talk about open wheel racing, including the biggest shock of the year in IndyCar. That comes up next. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We are live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend 
My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and Chris Murdoch along for the ride as we review this past weekend and move to the IndyCar side of life. And guys, before we even talk about the teams who are fast and who will be starting in the front three rows for the greatest spectacle in racing, we have to talk about the shock that was two fan-favorite drivers, both on the same day being bumped from the Indianapolis 500. Pippa Mann and Dale Coyne Racing's fourth car, one of the two drivers who was bumped out in Saturday qualifications, but the other was probably the biggest shock to miss the race since 1995 when the two Penske cars did not qualify, Tom. Who would have ever imagined... James Hinchcliffe, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, and the Aero Electronics number 5 Honda to be on the outside looking in. I couldn't even begin to fathom that this was a possibility, and yet the longer the day went and James kept sitting 33rd, I'm like, something's going to happen here, and doggone if it did. Yeah, I mean, this is the magic of bump day for me. And on a weekend, if you look at this weekend and the way it unfolded in the sport, and even I'm going to even throw in horse racing for a minute because justified won another horse race. Okay, predictable. Kevin Harvick wins the all-star race. Predictable, even though we had a a package that was nothing like what uh, they've ever driven before. Kevin Harvick wins. We go to Indy. 
And the only unpredictable thing, or the only predictable thing about Indy when you have a bump day situation is something unpredictable is going to happen. And it that may be the most shocking DNS since the two Penske cars in 1995, or maybe there were three then. I forgot two. how many. Dose. Yeah, two. And, you know, you, you look at this and you say, okay, this is not a team that's been slow all season. It's not one of those deals where they've really struggled. No, they were fifth in points. Correct. And you look at both of those cars at Indy, Wickens struggled with speed. Now he's in, and I wouldn't say that he was close to getting bumped, but he's certainly not fast enough that you would consider that he would have a great shot to win the 500 right now. And here's Hinchcliffe totally missing the race. I mean, Chris, this is one of those moments in IndyCar history where you look at this and say, we're going to be talking about this five years from now as being one of the defining moments of Indy 500 history is the year that Hinch missed the show. Yeah, and I couldn't have been more wrong when I picked him to uh, start, the, start the race on the pole. Yeah. It was uh, it's a poor choice on my part because he was nowhere close and now will not make the race uh, due to bump day. But that's just the uh, glory of bump day. You know, you never know what's going to happen and anything can happen and probably will happen at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And it's good uh, to see bump day back and uh, have it in full effect. And, and it can knock some big names. Like we keep mentioning the two Penske cars that got yep. bumped. And now this huge shocker that nobody really saw coming no. uh, until the last weekend. I think we, we looked at it and said, well, okay, who is the other one that got bumped? Pippa Man? Well, okay, at least for me, that made sense. I mean, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful toward Pippa, but, you know, when you do a one-off, it's hard sometimes to, you know, come in and, and do well. And that was the situation that she ran into. They just couldn't get enough speed out of the car. But gosh, Jacob, I mean, James, James Hinchcliffe is one of the most popular figures in IndyCar racing. And he's the driver, the one driver that you would have thought might have been a run for the pole. I, I don't agree. think Chris's pick was bad at all. It's just, hello, Indy, and yeah. hello, bump day. Well, and keep in mind, this is a driver who two years ago was on the pole for the greatest spectacle yeah. in racing. He won the pole for the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 in 2016, and that came just a year after his devastating practice crash. And believe yep. it or not, that crash was the basis for James's overarching perspective. Couple of quotes here. Number one, nobody screwed us. The system didn't fail us. We failed us. Yep. In regards to how the rain delays came and the fact that they waited as long as they did before trying to improve their position. But the second quote, this is where James's perspective came in, guys, and I feel like this says it all. He said, quote, this track has done worse to me in the past, and we came back swinging. In regards to the crash that he suffered that nearly took his life in yep. 2015, that, to me, says it all right there. I uh, mean, a as much as this DNQ sucks, James knows he's been through far worse at this racetrack. 
Well, that's true. And his career obviously goes on, his season goes on, and you know, who knows, next year he may win the thing. But it's just a situation where when you look at it in a bigger picture sense, the Chevys certainly showed their prowess in single car qualifying trim over the Hondas. And I don't think we can draw a lot from that as far as the 500 goes, because if you look at you know, the practice times in the draft, the Hondas are right there with everybody else. But certainly, I think this is one of those situations where the difference between first and 33rd, although there were some cars at the very back of that that were slow, the difference between first and 33rd, you're talking basically you know, fractions at this point and two miles an hour, three miles an hour is not a big deal. You can be off a little, you're off a lot. That's yeah. what happened to well, Hitch. And Graham Rahal was another one that almost missed the show. Yes, he was 30th on Saturday yeah. and was in danger for a while. Now, stop and consider this for a minute. You talk about being off a little, being off a lot. James Hinchcliffe's four-lap average was 224.784 miles an hour. Yeah. James Davison, who was 33rd, ran a four-lap average of 224.798. Yeah. Over four laps. That is that amounts to less than one one hundredth of a second over saying. ten miles. Yeah. That's how close it was. And you know, I compare this, Chris, honestly, to two thousand eleven when we watched Ryan Hunter Ray and the DHL car get bumped by his teammate Marco Andretti with fifty five seconds to go in qualifying. Now granted, RHR ended up uh back in the race after they struck a deal, Andretti Autosport did, to buy out the A.J. Foyt car, Bruno Jankira. Oddly enough, Jankira has been bought out of the 500 twice, but I just, all the people I've heard from, I feel like at this point everybody seems to think, and I feel like even James would think it's a little bit almost disrespectful. Graham Rahal said he would be embarrassed to race in the Indy 500 after DNQing and then, you know, having a team buy out a ride for him to race. And I tend to agree with that. I don't think James Hinchcliffe is the type of driver that would want to run in the Indy 500 that way. Because he didn't earn it, and and he he would want to earn it. He prides himself on some of that stuff. So I I don't think it'll happen, uh, but, I mean, as we saw over the weekend, stranger things have happened. So... Uh, I, I think anything's possible at this moment in time, so uh, we will have to see how the rest of the week plays out leading up to this. Uh, I mean, it, it's certainly disappointing not to see Hinchtown in the Indy 500, but things happen. He'll bounce back and he'll be better. In a different era, I understood the whole buy-in thing when you can buy Jay Foyt's T-car or whatever. That was kind of tradition back then, but we've sort of come past that, Jacob, now to where we've got just enough cars to start the 500 with a couple left over and everybody's got big sponsorships. So it's just hard now to buy somebody out of a ride and I'm okay with Hinch missing the 500, even though I'm not okay with Hinch missing the 500. It's still going to be a great race, and I'm sure you know Hinch is going to have a good time watching it, even if he'd rather be driving. 
Absolutely right. And with that, we are going to step aside. When we return, we will talk about the drivers who will make up the first three rows on the grid for the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500 and who we think may come away victorious before the end of the day on Sunday. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back with more on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network in a moment. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening to their Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. We're dippling. As we come back from break, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch on Motorsports Madness as we talk all things racing and continue our discussion on the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500, the lead-in to the greatest spectacle in racing. When you talk about uh, what we've experienced so far with Pippa and James who missed the show, 
Now we talk about the drivers who are going to line up in the first three rows of the Indy 500 on Sunday. And stop and consider that at a track that for the last four years, Tom, has largely been dominated by Honda, yet there are seven Chevrolets between two teams, all of Team Penske and all of Ed Carpenter Racing, Danica Patrick included, starting in the first three rows of Sunday's Indianapolis 500. That, to me, is remarkable that the only two Hondas in the top nine were Sebastian Bourdais, who has a vendetta to settle with Indy 500 qualifying, and Scott Dixon, who won the race in 2008. Turned into a rocket last year, literally. Um, Yeah, that's, for me, I think... Like the story out of this top nine, look, I expected Bourdais to be in the top nine. I expected the Penske cars to probably at least most of them be in the top nine. Not a surprise for me. Ed Carpenter always uh, runs fast in qualifying at Indy. The story here is Danica Patrick. For Danica to, I'm not totally surprised she made the top nine, but here's the deal with this for me. Everybody is talking about Danica. This is her final race. She's got GoDaddy back on the car. This is sort of the Hollywood script that's being written here. Now, you know, it doesn't matter in the top nine. This whole top nine run for the pole for me is just who cares. I was more interested in bump day. But I think for Danica, the part of this for me, Chris, is just she's looked very comfortable. She... She's handled herself very well so far. When the team early on wanted her to use more of her tools in practice, Danica right away said, no, I'm not ready yet. I still have some work to do. When she felt confident, she started to pick up the pace. And she was, I think, seventh coming into qualifying in the what you call no-toe, on the no-toe list, in other words, single car with nobody drafting, she was in the top seven or eight. To me, she just looks like somebody who is ready to go and do this thing right when it comes to Sunday. I feel like she'll have a, a good shot to, to make everybody happy. And, and, and have, she's really starting off well. You know, she held her own in qualifying. Yep. She was able to lock herself in to the top nine. And it, it's really kind of a, a storybook way to go out with your career because she, she is going to be done after the Indy 500. There were no more plans or no more races she wanted to do on her list. She wanted to do the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. Yep. The Daytona 500 didn't really go out in her favor. No. She was running up towards the top 15, top 10, and, and then a wreck happened, and she yep. was out. But now kind of a redemption story for her and, a, and a, a car she's more comfortable in and a car that she can handle and drive really well in and especially at a track that she's done well at. So I think everything's really lining up for Danica Patrick to have a good day. I'm not going to say she's going to win the thing, but she'll definitely have a solid day. I still don't think she wins the race, but I do think she has a good run. And again, Jacob, what's impressed me more than the speed she showed was the way that she handled herself in the first few practices. 
and just took her time and let herself get comfortable before she really tried to pour all of the tools and the power to it. She's had a nice month so far. I hope she continues and gets a good finish out of it. I hope so, too. We know there are going to be a lot of eyes on her going into the 102nd Indianapolis 500. When you talk about drivers who have had good months, uh, I think that can also encompass drivers who made great improvements or great comebacks. And both of those apply in the case of the driver I want to mention right here, who was a star in a substitute role in last year's Indianapolis 500 and has come back in a car with an entry that I have to stop and reread it to make sure I don't stumble <laughs> over it. The Foyt Hollinger Bird Bellardi number 33 Honda <laughs> of James Davison, who squeaked his way into the Indianapolis 500 on bump day by less than one one hundredth of a second over James Hinchcliffe. He was 33rd on the chart. On Saturday, and yet he came back during Sunday qualifications, outqualified 10 cars to put himself up into the mid pack, showcase some of the speed that he has in uh, a satellite entry with AJ Foyt Racing, one of those Chevrolets. And we know James Davison is not afraid to really dig his teeth in, Tom, and make something happen at the Speedway. He's been a star in the roles that he's been in over the past couple of years. And you talk about dark horse. Anybody can be a dark horse in the Indy 500. If James Davison is around late in this race, I believe he could have a shot at a really great day. Well, and how cool is it that when you look at A.J. Foyt racing right now, I mean, you expected Tony Kanaan to be in or around the top nine. And I think he uh, ended up bumping uh, Mateus Laced out, his teammate, and... Now you've got Davison and you've got Mateus Laced, who's a rookie, and we've got Team Brazil here who look like they're both going to be just fine when we throw the green. I mean, it's great to see A.J. Foyt racing with a chance to go out and win the Indianapolis 500 with at least two of their cars, I would say, with Kanan and Davison. And I also think that Mateus Laced, because here's the thing for me, Mateus is a sponge, and Tony Kanan's a past winner of the 500. He's run very well there before. I have no doubt whatsoever that if Mateus Laced is around at the end of the 500 with a good race car, I think he'll be poised enough to get a good run out of it and maybe uh, end up running for a win here. But I definitely think Kanan and Davison are two guys that you have to consider when you start talking about potential winners of this race. And man, like you said, Davison, what a comeback story that this has been and good for them because there was a, a few moments there when they weren't even sure the car was going to be fixable. Uh, and I'm glad that they got it back and got it in the show in a good spot. Can I also give a call to Tom, to a driver that I don't think any of us really truly expected to play a big role, but the job that Zach Clayman DeMello has done, not only in filling in for Pietro Fittipaldi, who was supposed to run the Indianapolis 500 before his World Endurance Championship qualifying crash at Spa that broke both of his legs, and of course we continue to hope for a very speedy recovery for Pietro, but Zach Clayman DeMello is a Canadian, a young Canadian who 
came out of Indy Lights and was kind of thrown to the wolves here in this situation, ran the Grand Prix, got a 12th place finish, was not overly impressive in day one qualifications, but came back in day two at one point to sit in 10th overall among the 10 to 33 qualifiers and is going to start in the top half of the field for Sunday's Indianapolis 500. This young Canadian has shown so much poise in such a ridiculously tough situation. I continue to be impressed. I mean, yeah, okay, he was a little scary at times during the Grand Prix and made some really ballsy passes that perhaps you would never expect out of a rookie. But I give him credit for being aggressive, and I think if Dale Coyne reins him in just a little bit, he's another one that could have a really good day. He, he to me, is... He, he's been scary a lot of the season to me. You watch him, and he's got plenty of speed, and he certainly doesn't lack courage. But, man, he... Again, you know, you watch him hit a barrier. You watch him. I mean, I, I just feel like I want to see him do well. And you're right to be able to jump in at the last minute because we didn't know who was going to be in that car. We talked about this driver, that driver. I don't think anybody really talked about Zach getting the nod. But when he did get the nod to go into the car and run, I mean, this is an awfully big stage, as we've talked about many times and for him to step up and be able to put that car, like you said, at one point at least, he was 10th on the chart uh, in second day qualifying, says a lot about the speed. Now, again, when you get 32 other cars on the track, Chris, this is where experience has got to come in. And what you have to hope is that he's got the right people on the radio with him, keeping him calm and reminding him that it's a, it's a long race and you can't run you know, a couple of hundred time trial laps here. We just have to pace ourselves and be around at the end to have a shot. Yeah, and, and that's the real battle of it, I think, is just the, the, it's a, a war of attrition. you got to be able to, to keep your head on your shoulders. You can't yeah. get frustrated too early. you got to be able to, uh, you know, go in there with a calm head, a cool head. Don't get frustrated at the first pass or, or the first incident that doesn't go your way. Maybe you may make a mistake uh on pit road early you don't don't get yourself down it's you know 500 miles you you got a long way you you can make it up you just got to keep a cool head go in there and, and just see what comes out of it and have a good day it's all a mental exercise here and what i worry about is somebody like zach getting a little over keyed at the start and making a mistake if he can keep himself settled down for the first 20 30 40 laps of this race and just get himself into a rhythm and everything goes well, then certainly there's enough speed in the car for him to have a really nice run. But uh, it's it's a big, big stage for somebody of his experience. Yes, it is. And real quickly, before we step away to a break, guys, Elio Castroneves being in the top nine, <laughs> having a shot to win his 500, his fourth 500. All four Penske cars looking to give Roger Penske win number 201 and his 17th Indy 500. Danica up there, Ed Carpenter up there, Bourdais up there. There's so many storylines, so many potential Hollywood endings. Pick your winner. Tom? Marco Andretti gets the win this year. And you know what? It really was all about the number. Chris? Will Power. I, I think he has a good shot at doing it. Uh, you think he sweeps the month? Yeah. Wow. 
all right. Reasonable. I have to go with the Hollywood ending. I believe he's going to prove to Roger why he wasn't ready to go to sports cars, and I believe Elio is going to join the most exclusive fraternity in racing and win his fourth Indianapolis 500. I hope so. I really well, do. He's not having success in sports cars, so I don't know if he's really that upset with going over there. He wanted to race oh, in yeah. cars. <laughs> There's no question he wanted to still be an Indy car, but you know what? Elio is a class act, and he's going to do whatever the team needs him to do. But for him to come back and have the speed he has, yeah, it would be an incredible ending if he won, just like it would be if Markle finally got his win. And that would be, I think, apropos for the season he's had. And again, like I said before, the Honda's very, very good in race trim. The Chevys are not going to blow them away. Now, again, Chevy may win and Chevy may run up front, finish up front, whatever. But this is going to be a really, really good Indy 500 race. I can't wait for that to get started. All right, we're going to step away to a break. When we return, we will shift gears to a couple of other races that are going on during the 10 days of thunder this week that we hope you will go out and uh, maybe take some action in on the dirt when we return you're listening to motorsports madness live on spreaker and the performance motorsports network parents your son or daughter has had their license for a while now but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road high school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively they need to be prepared for any highway emergency for less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. 
You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Garrett Smithley, driver of the number nothing Chevrolet for JD Motorsports, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Does it ever get old hearing Garrett's excitement whenever he says number nothing? No, because I've never in my life until Garrett heard somebody who could be so proud about nothing. <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, the review and uh, beginning of the countdown to the culmination of the 10 Days of Thunder here in in the Charlotte area and the countdown to Memorial Day weekend, also known as Christmas in May, for all of us motorsports enthusiasts. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and Chris Murdoch been with you so far, and we'll continue that through the end of this program. Tom, a couple of big dirt races in the area this week, and one that is just finishing up the Clash of the Creek at Mountain Creek Speedway, but that was the first outlaw kart race of two this week. The second one is upcoming here the next couple of days at Millbridge Speedway. They always have a big, uh, big money outlaw kart race on the Tuesday and Wednesday of NASCAR Coke 600 weekend. Kyle Larson won it last year. Logan Seavey, a former winner. This race, to me, always brings out the best of the best. You always get some big stars, and you know what? It's also a big platform for some of the younger outlaw kart drivers to really get some big eyes on them and help to grow their brands a little bit during the week as well. People may not always see it as a big deal. This is a big deal, though. Well, of course it's a big deal. I mean, you know, you you had a race at, at a new track called Mountain Creek to start off the week, and now you go to Millbridge and run yet another big race for the Outlaw Carts. This is a division that doesn't get the national, for example, television exposure that some of the other developmental-type classes of racing do like legends cars and i don't want to categorize this just as a developmental division it certainly isn't that lots of older drivers who just run it because they love it but it is a division you've had rico Abreu, you've had kyle larson i mean you know there have been several drivers who have come through that and into bigger forms of racing tanner gray among those as well who kind of went off and took a sharp left and went in a straight line but uh gosh i mean this race is first of all you're going to get about 90 carts probably in the open class and it's going to take forever to qualify them down to the a main. Um, and I say that not as a negative, I say that to explain how hard this doggone race is to make. And even if you make it, you've got to make it through it. And with guys like Larson, like Abreu, like Ricky Stenhouse, who sometimes runs, sometimes not, but drivers of that caliber. And then you throw in guys like Logan CV who has made so many strides in his career and now NASCAR next racer, Tanner Thorson. I don't know if he's going to be there or not, but, you know, a lot of chances here to run with some big, big names in the sport. And like you said, if you can run with them and show you can hang, it helps uh, to build your brand as well. Absolutely right. And for the guys who have 
actually beaten Kyle in the first couple runnings of this race until Kyle broke through to win it. Uh, it certainly has grown their brands. Logan Seavey yeah. comes to mind as one yep. who was a huge winner and eventually got a Keith Coons Motorsports contract this year. Sure did. Uh, in part to some of his success in the many outlaw ranks. We always see, or at least have the last few years, some World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series regulars uh, possibly take part and have taken part in the past in this yep. race, and they will compete just down the road Friday night during the Outlaw Showdown at the Dirt Track at Charlotte. Tom, this not necessarily as big as the World Finals. You'll have the Outlaws and the Seca Late Models as the two-division card there, but we do get a chance to see the Outlaws regulars at this racetrack last year the surprise winner, Logan Schuhart. A couple years ago, the surprise winner, Greg Wilson. You just never really know what you're going to get at this race and with this racetrack. We've seen some underdogs before. We've seen some dominators before. What do we see on Friday night? Well, it's a good question because so much of it depends on the weather that we have on the day and then the days leading up to it. I mean, you know, going, if if you want to talk about this past week, we had a, a fair amount of rain that rain, fell. Rain, 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 Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of rain over this past week. Of course, now it's Monday and you've got four days to race day. You never know what, what uh, Mother Nature is going to serve up, but uh, track conditions are everything in trying to figure out, well, who's going to be fast because some drivers obviously better on dry slick, some drivers better on tacky, whatever. But the reason I love this race even more than the world finals is exactly because of the unpredictability because you have the opportunity. I watched Kevin Swindell win one of these races one year and just absolutely dominate the race and everybody afterward was kind of remarking like wow we would have never expected that it's like well it's memorial weekend at charlotte that's what you get you get upsets and uh with these sprint cars and i think uh Schuhart's probably a good bet to race well again and i think this could be a race where you know you might see some of the guys like david gravel perhaps um uh, or even uh, Sheldon Houghtonshield, who have had wins, but yet in other ways, the season maybe not gone quite as well as they would have liked. These are guys that I think you could see running up front. I mean, you can never discount Donnie Schatz, but this is a race I feel like you could see some of those drivers step up just because of the track conditions and the situation that we could see here. World Finals, to me, is a little bit more of the law of averages catches up with you after a few days on the track. But um, this one is just kind of come in, hit it, and go. And this is why we see some of these underdogs getting wins on this particular uh, race weekend on the dirt. Absolutely. I'll tell you one driver who really could use a win, and that's Jason Johnson yes. on the Raging Cage and yeah. needs something. Yeah, he well, you know, he's he's one of several really that could use wins on the circuit right now. And Jason is a driver I could see doing well here. Uh, like I said, this this is a bit more of an unpredictable uh, race situation. And look, anytime you put outlaws, the world of outlaws on this track at Charlotte, I'm a fan and I'm just as big a fan of the Seca late models, because although our audience 
knows probably mostly little about th- this series because it's it's a local series to this right. area. These drivers are good drivers, and I think the Seca late models, I could even see this being possibly a better show and a racier show than the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Show with some of the competition that you're going to have. I, I, think, uh, I think it's a good double bill. I would agree with that. Now, real quickly, Tom, pick your Outlaws winner just because I'm curious. Oh, boy. I feel like you could so flip a coin for this one. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll take a flyer and I'll pick David Gravel. Um, why not? Can I be that guy and say that I not only believe that this will happen, but this driver is motivated to make it happen because he has had some sponsorship come on board recently, and this is a team that is really moving in the right direction once again. I believe that Logan Schuhart will make it two Outlaw Showdown wins in a row. Wouldn't be surprised. Not at all. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm certainly very, very much looking forward to it. And we will take our final break, the lightning round. When we return, we'll talk a little bit of endurance racing, i.e. the Coca-Cola 600, and toss in a little action from the ARCA Racing Series, which comes up Thursday evening as well. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, the white flag after this on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. 
Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, and we are rolling on to the white flag segment or the lightning round of this show. You can also hear the show on Spreaker via their app or their website or as a podcast on SoundCloud or Google Play or any of those other podcast hosting services. Whichever one you like best, Tom, uh, they can go find it. Yes, search Race Chaser Radio. You can throw in iTunes and iHeartRadio and tune in all on that list as well. I start the list, you finish it. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) That's how this works. Light. If you missed... Uh, last Thursday's show, there's about to be a new addition to that list uh, in June, I think. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to that uh, here probably on next week's program. All right, so before we get into some rapid-fire lightning round stuff, Tom, obviously the Coca-Cola 600 or America's biggest Memorial Day party <laughs> is getting ready to happen at Charlotte Motor Speedway this coming Sunday, and... NASCAR's longest night after NASCAR's wildest night in the All-Star Race. Two completely different things. We go back to the traditional package that we've been running, and this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Last year, we saw four different stage winners by the time it was all said and done. What do you think we're going to see Sunday night? Um, Certainly not what we saw on Saturday night, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I hope it's a good race. I don't really know where we're going to go with the 600 this year for two reasons. One, Kevin Harvick. And two, I just haven't seen anything on a mile and a half track that indicates to me, other than the All-Star race, which we will talk about in the segment, I haven't seen anything so far that indicates to me that we're going to have a lot of great racing on. I think it's going to be, like you said, it's an endurance race. It's going to be whoever can play the best strategy, and I do think that that is the one unknown in the 600 that really keeps us into this race is it seems to always come down to some sort of pit strategy one way or another unless you have a year with Martin Truex where he leads all but 12 laps, and that's what I worry about with Kevin Harvick this year is that he's just on such a roll and he seems to have something that nobody else has I worry about one of those snoozers again. I'm hoping that's not what we see. I'm hoping it's not what we see either, partially for parody and partially just I really, really, really am getting sick of saying, hey, Kevin Harvick won. Hey, Kevin Harvick won. Hey, Well, you know, it's a two-headed coin at this point, Jacob, because on the one hand, it's not really a story if he wins, but then if he wins a few more, it'll get to the point where we'll start to talk about epic season. I mean, you know, over 10 wins, is that possible? Any, yeah, and, the last time anybody hit double digits, I think, was Jimmy Johnson in 2007, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Chris, he's, I mean, Harvick's got five out of 12 already for regular season races, plus the All-Star wins. So double digits is certainly not impossible the way he's running. It's not impossible, and it's highly likely with the tear that he's on right now this season. Uh, as far as the 600 and, and what to expect, uh, a lot less passing than what we saw uh, this past weekend with the All-Star race. I don't want to jump on the Kevin Harvick train because I feel like uh, 
he, it, it, like you said, it comes down to fuel strategy. We saw last season. Maybe. Uh, we we saw last season where it looked like Jimmy Johnson was gonna get it, and then out of nowhere, here comes Austin Dillon with a strategy yeah. call to to come out with that one. So it, it's really uh, like most of the stuff we we've talked about. It's really just a coin toss to uh, uh, to what it comes down to because there's so many variables. It's like the Indy 500, which we talked about. It's a war of attrition. It's 600 miles, the longest race of the season. You got to keep your head on your shoulders for this one. Well, and the other variable, of course, Jacob, is that this one starts in basically the late afternoon and goes into the evening. The track is so temperature sensitive that you've got to be able to keep up. And that's why what Martin Truex did when he led all those laps was so remarkable. It wasn't that we were shocked that Martin won a race, but this is a race where in order to do what he did, you had to have a race car that literally was so good in two almost completely different track conditions. And that car never faltered all night long. No, it didn't. So that's, you, what you worry about with Harvick, but I do agree with what Chris said. There's, there are enough variables going into this one. It may not be the greatest race in terms of passing, but it's hard to predict the ending. And again, last year is the perfect example of that. Nobody thought Austin Dillon was going to come out of that with a win, and yet there he, he was. <laughs> Absolutely right. Now, going into this Coca-Cola 600, I'll base our first lightning round question off of something that Marcus Smith said in his post-race media availability on Saturday night following the All-Star race. He said first that he was campaigning with Steve O'Donnell that he wanted to see the package run in 2018 races like more tracks before the end of the season right now he was so excited about this and I have to admit the fan buzz and the media buzz that I uh, heard after the race was a lot of positive as well so to both of you Chris you can start and then Tom follow up if you were NASCAR would you want to implement this before the end of 2018 I recognize that unfortunately with the RTA we're in a situation where we can't really do that but if if you had the power, would you do it? No, because I, if I was NASCAR, I would want to to wait, look at the data, see what go, make the tweaks, make the changes that they need to, listen to the fan response, listen to the drivers' response, have some group meetings with drivers and, and officials to to see what really meshes well and what everybody noticed. And really, if they're gonna do this, if they're gonna implement the system, yes, Saturday's race for the All Star race was amazing. Yes, there was a lot of passing. Yes, there was action going on. But if they're going to do this and if they're going to implement this on a widespread scale, because as we know, each track is different in characteristics. If they're going to do this uh, in a wide uh, scale situation, they're going to need to do it right. They're going to need to spend the time that they need to do. Look at the data. Look at everything that's went into this race to make it so good and make the tweaks to make it even better. Well, I agree with that. And so my answer is, as a fan, would I like to see it happen? Heck yes. Uh, But from a practicality standpoint, probably not. It is going to happen twice more in Xfinity. And I think in that situation... I think it's good because the Xfinity series needs something like that Um, on the tracks that they're putting it into Indianapolis at Michigan and and Michigan, I think. uh, And I I don't know if somebody said uh, Pocono or not, but I mean, I think if you're going to do it again, maybe Michigan would be a good track to do it. But 
honestly, I think 2019 is realistic. And I think it would give you a chance to do a little bit more testing and get everybody's input, Jacob. And that way, when it's done, it has a better chance of being done well and being something that can stick around for the long term. I do want to say, though, that I think the tweaks that are going to be made are going to be made with the idea of improving the racing lack, as in, okay, we catch the leader and we stall out, rather than let's give them speed back. Maybe a little more speed? Okay, if you can do it in such a way as that's going to help the race for the lead and you're going to be able to, to run down the leader. But um, long answer to the short question is, uh, no, I would not want to see it back again this year. Right. When it comes back, I want to see it right. All right. Next question. And this is kind of an interesting look, but it's something that somebody posed to me the other day. And I thought to myself, you know, that's an interesting thought. But there was a period of time in Formula One history where the Monaco Grand Prix was not run on Memorial Day weekend. In fact, it was run a couple weeks prior to the Indianapolis 500 would you ever be okay with the possibility of that scenario happening again if there were a possibility of crossover between Formula One and IndyCar, seeing some guys run Monaco and Indy? Tom, you can start this time. Would I be okay if they Move? took it off of Memorial Weekend yes. again? Yeah. If it meant crossover, absolutely yes. Because unlike a lot, look, I love the tradition as much as anybody, Chris, but I'm not a big enough Formula One fanatic that I couldn't live with trading, a, getting that off the, the Sunday in exchange for some of those guys coming over here and trying to run Indy because I just think that would be really, really cool if we could do that. I think it would, and I think we, we saw it really well with Alonzo last, Alonso, sure. with last season, how well he, he came over, adapted, and, and ran that race, and I feel like, yes, I, I, if it meant that some drivers got to come over and try the Indianapolis 500 just to add a, a different competition aspect to it, that would really be interesting to me. And it would, I think, draw friend, fans from both sides of the spectrum. It would just only help, I think, the IndyCar numbers because the F1 fans would want to see how their favorite, favorite drivers stack up in the Indy 500. Jacob, all I'm going to say is that a Team Red Bull effort at the Indy 500 with both Verstappen and Ricardo would be worth the price of admission all by itself. Absolutely, it would be. Now, final question that I've got here, and it circles to the Verizon IndyCar Series and the Indianapolis 500, and then uh, we'll touch on the ARCA Series, Tom, in the last minute or so. Tony Kanaan and Mateus Laced ended up qualifying 10th and 11th for the Indianapolis 500 during second-day qualifications on Sunday do you see either of those two A.J. Foyt cars being realistic contenders for the win? I know you said you saw them being contenders for decent days earlier in the show, but do you see either of them contending for a win? Yes, I, that's actually what I said earlier in the show, is I think A.J. Foyt Racing has a realistic shot with Tony Kanaan and I said James Davison, who's obviously in the third car effort there, 
But I think Mateus Lee certainly would have a shot at it. What I said was that it's a big stage for him. And being a rookie, I worry about him getting to the end. But if he gets to the end with a shot, yes, I think they have a chance to win. It would be Tony's second 500, Chris. You can never count Tony Kanaan out at Indianapolis when he's got a car to win. He's done it before. I mean, that's all I really have to say. He, he He's a good contender. He, he always... Uh, seems to have decent days at uh at Indy. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to say that he's going to have a bad day. Uh but I do think he'll contend with the win. All right. Tom, real quickly in about 30 seconds. Thoughts on the return of Arca to Charlotte and what we may see Thursday night. Uh I think the Arca series race is going to be interesting. I'm afraid it's I think Todd Gilliland is just in a zone by himself right now, uh, judging from what we saw in the test. But, you know, when it comes to race time, it could be a little different. I'm just glad to see him back at the track, and I think it's good for the series. It's good for the week, too, to have Arca there. Of course, NASCAR buying him now makes it even better. Two words. Sheldon Creed. Everybody at MDM has got a win this year, except at least uh, that's in the top five in points right now, except for Sheldon Creed. I think this is the race where Sheldon breaks out and perhaps captures his first career ARCA Racing that Series victory. And with that, we're going to throw a checkered flag on this edition of Motorsports Madness. There's a ton of radio for the remainder of this week on PMN, and there's a ton of racing still to come the re- remainder of this week as well. Get out to a racetrack, support the racing in this area. If you're in town, if you're out of town, uh, there's just a ton to get to, and we hope you will come out and enjoy it with us. For Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks, and we want to see you this weekend at the racetrack till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.